I just remember like sitting there and, and I suddenly this voice just in my head, it's just like, get up, you're leaving. And I was like, get up, you're leaving. I'm, like, I I'm not done with my food yet. And it's just like, no, get up, you're going. And I was like, okay. I, I get right outside of um, the student union. There's this guy that's having a bad day, right? I am, I'm walking out the doors as he is taking off his backpack and chucking it as far as he can. He is pissed off. And I'm like, huh, guess I, guess I should go talk to the guy. Two days later, God wakes me up, wake up, and God says, go, you're going on a walk again. Going to walk to a different part of campus, same dude right there. Hey guys, welcome back to Anchor and Devoted. I am Pastor Jer, and that's Pastor Joseph. No, I got it first. I got all my energy, and that is Jer Bear. You know him. Hello. Pastor Bear. Welcome to Anchored and Devoted. I'm anchored, he's devoted, or he's anchored and I'm devoted. Doesn't matter. We're both pretty big brothers from different mothers, but the same father in heaven. And we have a bonus person today, Jer. Go for it. Booyah. Booyah. In the house today, we have... Really? In the house? That's what we're doing? In the box today, we have (laughs) John Barzal in his little box in front of us. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Thank you all so much. Thank you for joining us, man. So, um, John, you are currently in the process of uh, starting a church plant. You have ministered at the well uh, for a couple of years there. And I'm super excited to uh, have you here because... And I, I set this up specifically because many of the themes I've heard from you resonate with many of the things that Dave and I talk about that I know touch on his passions. Mm. And I've just been excited to, uh, to have the opportunity to sit down with the three of us and see what God's doing with you. So That's thank amazing. you for joining us today, man. Yeah. Well, John, so I don't know you, but thank you and yeah. welcome. And we're brothers in Christ, so we get a Amen. long time so to get I, to know each other. <laughs> I had heard about you, John, from Brett. I knew there was a pastor that had moved into the area here in Annapolis where uh, Georgetown East Elementary School is specifically yeah. to plant a congregation there and to minister to the people there. So that's kind of my starting point and maybe start there and talk about what brought you there. And then we go back up and, and find out, you know, why you're a Christian, not a Jehovah's witness. Since we're absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Specifically as opposed to Jehovah's witness specifically. Um, yeah. Um, but no, we, so me and my wife, uh, this actually started with us looking for our, a place to live. So we've, we've lived in Annapolis. I'm, I'm from Annapolis, but we, we have lived together in Annapolis since uh, 2018 when we got married. And um, lived it's over always on, good to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lived over on uh, Spa Road um, in some apartments. And so about 2019, we started wanting to buy a house. And um, really... Uh, the, the housing market was just starting to pick up steam and then COVID hit right in 2020 and it went crazy. Yeah. Um, there was nothing remotely in our price range. That was a, a single family home for months and months. And, um, and this entire time we're, we're praying, we're looking for a house and we're just, we're just trusting that, that, uh, God would provide one. Little did we know, um, the house that he had picked out for us, uh, was actually going to be really, really tied to uh, what we feel that we're called to do in this area. So, um, it, it was in it was in March of 2021 that we um, that I was we were waking up. Uh, it was, you know, I was, I was actually asleep, and I had this dream, 
Um, and in this dream, uh, my wife and I um, were up in Towson University, which is where I went to school. And so um, we, but the feeling in the dream was that we were packing up this apartment and leaving because Towson was having their graduations. Mm. And, um, and so I wake up, you know, we're in Annapolis. I wake up and in my mind, really, really loudly as I'm waking up is just like this voice that's saying, hey, you're going to find the place that you're supposed to move into when Towson University is having their graduations. Okay. And so I turn to my wife and I'm just like, hey, uh, I just had this dream. This sounds crazy. I don't know. I don't know what you do with that. Um, and she's like, well, you better look up when Towson University is having their graduation. <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, I guess I should, huh? And uh, so I looked it up, went online, and uh, it was it was from May 18th to the 21st um, that they were having their graduations. It's like a week long event, right? And so I just stick that in my back pocket, right? I, you know, I'm just, uh, we keep on looking, you know, it was March at that time. And so I'm like, you know, we'll wait two months and see what happens. And so May 18th rolls around and um, this house pops up on the the system, you know, where they, they list the houses, the MLS. Yeah. Um, it pops up and it, no pictures, right? But it's in our price range. It's a single family home, but no pictures. And first thing that goes through our head is like, if they're not pictures, there's a reason that they're not pictures because right. they don't want you to see what it looks like because it's right. probably not worth not worth looking at. Um, but then a day or two later, uh, the pictures come up and we're like, holy cow, that place is, is livable. Like not even just livable, like moving ready. Like I, we could move into this place. And so um, we contact our realtor. And we say, hey, this house just came up on the market. Uh, we'd really like to go and see it. And she says, great, I'll set up a time. And she gets back to us and she says, all right, you're set for May 21st at 2 p.m. And I look at Chelsea and we're and I'm just like, May 21st at 2 p.m. is the day of the hour of the last graduation of Towson University. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So came up on the market May 18th. And we go and see, uh, like, on the day that the day that the graduations begin, it comes up on the market the hour that the graduations be like you know are ending. Uh, we're pulling up to this house to go see it, um, and so we're walking. Uh, we walk through the house and we walk through the property, and you know it's not fireworks, uh, but we're just like we we feel like that this is the place that God uh, that God told us to um, to to be at. So anyway, we put in an offer, and immediately hear back. No, uh, somebody else has outbid you by forty thousand dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, like "Thank you, God! <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, God!" And yeah, and I remember having a having a conversation with a friend of mine, and he was like, "Dude, if God said it, then it was then then it's going to happen." But uh, I think you may have missed it on this one. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, okay, okay, I hear you, I hear you." Um, but uh, some so that that was a Friday. That we put in the offer, we heard that uh, we heard that we did not get the house. And then uh, the next day, a Saturday, some friends show up. They don't even know that we're trying to buy a house, and uh, they show up at our front door. They just say, "Hey, can we come over?" And they they come in. And they're like, "Hey, we really feel like that God uh, told us to give you some money." Um, and we're, Chelsea and I look at each other and we're like, "Yeah, uh, Amen." 
Yeah, amen, right? Um, and when someone says that, God told us to give you some money, you don't, you don't like say, I don't, I don't even think so. Just, I feel like I need to pray about even this Even if it's first. two dollars, amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, but they're like, no, no, no. We feel like that we're supposed to give you um, $12,500 um, and specifically for a house. And Chelsea and I are like, wow, we, that is, like, we're so humbled. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually just put in an offer on a house and got outbid by like $40,000. And we tell them the whole story. Um, and we're like, 12,000 is great. It's not 40,000 though. Uh, and they're like, you know what? Uh, just keep the money, uh, use it for whatever God feels, you know, whatever you feel like that God is uh, mm-hmm. telling you to use it for. And so just kind of, we're just kind of left on a cliffhanger there for um hold on did you increase your bid by that amount or no even no, though for forty thousand oh, i know i, I understand forty thousand dollars i understand yeah. i'm just curious if like that was no. even, you just like yeah thank you we'll put it in the account yeah we, we put it yeah yeah basically we put it in the account and we're and um and just kind of we're left there uh okay. just just kind of praying and um waiting on god really doubting like if that's what god had said and then uh, two months go by and, you know, we're into the summer at that point and we contact our realtor cause we've been just, we just can't get over the house. We're like still looking at it online. We're like, man, this thing just, right. and uh, <laughs> we, now we you're contact, falling in love with it. Yeah. Well, we contact our realtor and we're like, is there any chance? Like, is there any chance that this thing, um, like it's just going to fall through or something. Right. And she's like, I don't think so. Like, it just looks like it's sitting there waiting to go to closing. And so we were, we're like, okay, well, I guess we shouldn't get our hopes up or anything. Well, two weeks later, it pops back up on the market. We're just like, something fell through. And we're like, holy cow, this is, this is God. Like, we, we got to jump on this. And so we immediately contact a realtor. We put in another offer um, mm-hmm. and, again, denied. Right? Just <laughs> like they picked someone else a second time. Um, but at that point, we kind of like, we're like, you know what? If God did this once. Mm-hmm. We there, there's a chance that this might happen again. Anyway, you know, he was doing to make a God, long story God short. Was making the, uh, I'm just, I'm just reading through the lines here. God is wearing yeah. them down to get their number lower for you. Yeah, for real. It was, uh, we didn't even have to wait that long this time. Right. So the second offer they accepted, um, they accepted somebody else. They, uh, and that's that they, they were under contract for about two weeks before that fell through. Um, and then they contacted us and they're like, Hey, um, you've put in an offer two other times on this house. Are you still interested? And we said, yeah, absolutely. And to ourselves, we're thinking, I don't think God's going to let you sell to anyone else. Honestly, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure that you're just going to be sitting on this thing until you, you decide to sell it to us. So, um, so yeah, that's how we ended up in this house. And when we moved in, we felt so strongly that like God has put us here for a reason. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who love God, who are devoted to him and God is not speaking to them about their house. Like he's speaking to us about this one. Right. Like, like it was, um, it was as though God was very, very clearly saying it must be this house you are in. Right. It wasn't like an option. Like, it's not like we got a choice in that. Um, and so we, so as we're moving in, we noticed that like, man, there are, there are like hundreds of people uh, every day that are walking by mm-hmm. our house, right? Uh, Bay Ridge Gardens. Mm-hmm. It's a low-income mm-hmm. community right over here. Mm-hmm. Um, every day, 
dozens, dozens of people are walking there to go to the grocery store, which is giant. That's just right. You can see it from my house. Like I could look out this window right now and see giant. Um, every day, parents from the uh, from Fairwind Apartments and from Victor, Victor Haven and from Bay Ridge are walking right yeah. by our house to take their kids to school right over here at Georgetown. And suddenly we realized that like, we're at like this crossroads. Um, and there are all these people uh, that are, that have needs that honestly that need Jesus, you know, at the core of it, but like that have very practical needs also um, that we've just been placed right in their way. Like literally they have to walk right past our house. Um, and we, we really quickly realized, I think that God has put us here for this neighborhood. And, um, and then I'm walking around the, the neighborhood one day and I'm just looking at Georgetown East Elementary and I'm just thinking to myself, man, there's supposed to be a school there, or I'm sorry, there's supposed to be yeah. a, a church there. Like there is supposed to be a place in this neighborhood that is, that is just ministering the gospel to people and not just the gospel for people's eternal salvation, but the gospel in a very tangible way. Right. Mm. And so, um, God just began to expand our heart. Uh, for for this place, um, and uh, and so he, it just just through connecting the dots, we're like, this is this is what God is um, this is what God's calling us to. So yeah, that's a uh, that's kind of the uh, I don't know, not the short answer, not the long answer, somewhere in the middle of, of kind of how we ended up where we're at at the moment. So um, yeah. So have you guys actually started the church plant at this point, or is it still in progress? Yeah, so we're we're still in progress right now. We um, right now I am doing a so I, I've been a pastor for a few years at at another church up in Millersville, Maryland. Um, mm-hmm. I've recently left that. Uh, to, are, are you embarrassed to say their name? No, no, no. It's called the Well. Okay. They're an amazing church. You know, we love them very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not at all. Not at all. It's a it's a vineyard church. Um, if you're, I just want the well movement. to know they're getting free publicity right now. Just, absolutely, you know, absolutely. No, sure they um, yeah, they're an ama- they're an amazing church right up there uh, at the intersection of Veterans Highway and Benfield. So right across mm-hmm. 97 from that, there's a business park. Yeah, the well's right back there. Yeah, um, excellent. Yeah, so I, I left that back in back in March and have been um, been attending Downtown Hope and I'm going to be doing a pastoral residency there. Uh, okay. And then from there, we're going to be sent out to, to plant this church. But at the moment, no, we're, uh, I have a core team, you know, a small team around me right now. And we're just kind of planning things out. Um, you know, what is the structure going to look like? What is the, the heartbeat of this church going to be? Um, and so that's, that's where we're at at the moment, just in the very beginning stages. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the stage we have, uh, that God has us in right now. Okay. So, um, you're, are you hooked up with, uh, DTH right now? Yep. Yeah. Is, okay. Right. Yeah. So I'm, cause uh, Joey, Joey was like, no, I'm not coming and doing this podcast. He's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm too important. I'm too busy. Wow. Absolutely. I was actually just talking to Joey. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that's a, that's a bold statement. He Joey. was like, talk to Aaron Mayhew. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure Aaron would uh, would also love to do. Oh, that. actually, yeah. we have Aaron's coming on in a couple of weeks, and okay. uh, John Cavallero's daughter is married to my younger brother. Oh wow! Uh, so we've dude a all lot the connections, of, a lot of inroads. Yeah, I yeah. was born and raised in Annapolis as well. So totally. So John Cavallero was my youth pastor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So back in the day, I grew up a uh, Broadneck EP and Annapolis EP. Uh-huh. Um, two two big evangelical Presbyterian churches yep. in the area. Yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, John Cavalier was my youth pastor a, a number of a number of different times throughout throughout my life. So that's uh, okay. that's pretty cool. Lots of connections. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I was at uh, Arnold Christian, not Arnold. I was at um, New Covenant Church. Okay, but I had a bunch of friends at uh, BEP. Yeah. So when I was in my late teens, and uh, I started, you know, I didn't start. I was asked because I played bass to start playing with a uh, a little punk band oh, with nice. some friends who mostly went to BEP. Yeah. I got to go to the uh, the summer jam retreat or whatever it was called. Very cool. And uh, lead worship for the crew there and enjoy the beach. It was, it was a great time. That's awesome. And John videotaped it and, and has promised to get me that videotape. He still has it somewhere and has <laughs> reneged on it every single time. Oh my goodness. This is the clearly the shade episode. That's right. I was going to say, we're, you're, you're dropping a lot of names exactly. and calling a lot of people out. Yeah. Just, Holy cow. <laughs> it's like back to truck. Mom, up. don't tell John I said that. <laughs> That's awesome. So it. how did you come to know the Lord? Yeah. Um, so I grew up, I mean, from what it sounds, you know, from what I've already mentioned, I grew up going to church, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, I would say that my family was... Uh, definitely Christian in practice, but it was definitely a very broken family. Um, you know, my parents got a divorce when I was about 11 years old. And mm. uh, that really was a very defining uh, characteristic of my childhood in general. So, um, you know, there was, a, there was a large deal of um, baggage that goes along with that as a, ch as a child, like living sure. through that, right? Sure. Um, but... The, the core, you know, the core of my faith really happened um, one evening uh, in, in high school. I think it was my junior year of high school. I remember um, I was at my mom's house since my parents had split custody and my mom had just made dinner and I'd eaten a lot of dinner, right? I was full. And I was going to go take a walk. Um, I was taking this walk. And as I was walking, I was just thinking like, man, you know what? I, I actually, I can't wait until I eat again. Like I was, I, I was looking forward to my next meal. That's right? awesome. I totally associate with that. Totally. Um, <laughs> and, okay. but this moment, this moment for me, this moment for me was an intense moment because it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I am a man, a boy, whatever, who's just eaten a full yeah. meal, like yeah. cannot eat anymore. And I'm looking forward to eating again. I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Like this, I, I just, I, like, although I was like, I felt so empty at that moment. I was just like, I'm literally looking forward to this again. Like, what is this? And, and, um, you know, it was, I'd been, I'd been reading C.S. Lewis. I'd been having a little bit more of an interest in God, but I was just like, God, this, this is not it. Like, I, I was like, I can't live to eat like this. Like is you're stupid. literally living their God is their bellies. Yeah. Like it, it was, um, that's amazing. It was a, it was just such a realization that like, look, my life is empty. Like if this yeah. is, if I'm thinking about this right now at a time where I've just eaten a meal, like what am I doing? Yeah. I, I, and, and I was like, you know, I could go, I could go get married. I could go have kids. I could go have an amazing, fulfilling profession. But like at the end, what is it? Like even that, even that itself, although there's like so much meaning and so much life and so much good goodness there, it's like even that is ultimately the same thing, right? It's just like, it's just a full stomach. 
That's it. It's going to go away. You know, I'm going to be looking for the next thing. Um, and so it was at that moment, I was like, God, you know what? I actually, I don't want to do this anymore. I told him, I didn't know it at the time uh, that this was like even a biblical thing, but I was like, look, if you want to give me a heart attack, if you want to strike me by lightning, like, I don't know. I don't, I know you don't do that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I know you probably don't, not, a rain cloud isn't going to form and like strike me literally <laughs> dead, but, um, but maybe a heart attack. I mean, you, you can do that, right? I was like, you, you can, you can kill me right now. Cause I, I see that things are pointless, but uh, if not, then like, I'm yours. Like, I'm just going to live for you like every mm. day. Like I, that's going to be like my only purpose. Um, wow. And so that, that was the moment that I was just like, yeah, I ain't playing. I ain't playing the game with, I am playing a game with Jesus anymore. I'm not like, this isn't my parents faith or something like that. It was like, no, my life actually is worth nothing if it's not hidden in Christ. Like my work, my I've got I've got nothing outside of that. Um, and so that was the moment. Um, but since then, there have been like uh, some really really important you know steps, uh, like actually learning about Scripture, you know, engaging with God in, in deep ways. But um, but yeah, that was that was a really that was a really uh, pivotal moment for me. Yeah. In doing these interviews, I always listen to find some kind of hook to make into a title. And as you're talking, what I'm hearing is something about the nihilistic Christian, because that that's such an interesting crossroads to find yourself out. Like mm. life is meaningless if you're not God. Yeah. But if you are, that's everything. That's the whole story. I got, I got, that's, that's incredible. How old were you? Yeah. Uh, I was a junior in high school. So it's that 16 years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was an angsty teen at that time. I was thinking about the big questions, I guess. And so, um, yeah, no, it just, it all came to a head right there. Um, wow. yeah. And then, you know, going off to college, uh, most people, I went to Towson university as I, as I briefly mentioned earlier. And, um, you know, most people go there and, they get drunk and, you know, it's just all that, all the foolishness that goes on, you know, it's, um, but no, that was also just an incredible time for me. Um, I remember that was the first time that I would say that I ever, uh, like learned to hear God's voice and I wasn't even trying to, but, mm. um, but yeah, that might be a story for another time. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's been a, so you're it's been a beautiful man, you talk about whatever you want. <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, yeah, so I, I'll just I'll just briefly say, like, uh, you know, I um, when I did go to Towson, I was super pumped because mm -hmm. I no longer had any social obligations. Right? <laughs> uh, you're in college; you do whatever the heck you want, right? You do you do what you want yep. when you want. There is there isn't a there is not a mom or a dad downstairs making dinner. You got to go talk to, and not in a bad way, right? I love my mom, love my dad. Um, but I was just like, what was in my heart at that time in my life was just like, man, I can spend every moment with Jesus. This is amazing. You know, like I, I don't have anyone I got to talk to. Like I can literally just talk to God all the time. Um, and so that's what I would do. I, I remember uh, waking up 9 a.m. Um, my classes didn't start till 11 a.m. I remember that first semester very clearly. And I would just spend the first two, three hours with God go to my classes, 
and spend the rest of the day with God. Like it was just all day long. And, our, and um, you know, praying, worshiping, uh, reading the Bible, listening to whatever is out there, you know. Um, and I remember one evening in particular is uh, having, having a meal with the people that were on the floor of my dorm, right? We would all go to one of the mess halls together mm-hmm. and um, we'd eat and, I just remember like sitting there and I, I was, I was probably a really weird dude. I would just like kind of sing under my breath to God. I would just worship, just, you know, enjoying Jesus. And, um, and I suddenly this voice just, it's just like a really loud thought in my head. It's just mm-hmm. like, get up, you're leaving. And I was like, get up, you're leaving. I'm, like, I ain't, I'm not done with my food yet. And it's just like, no, get up, you're going. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And I immediately, just not even a question. Like, I wasn't like, what's that? I was just like, oh, that's God. That's cool. <laughs> and so I just, I just, I just, you know, got my tray, took it right over to the conveyor belt, put it on the conveyor belt. It was like, see y'all later. I'll, I'm, I'm going. I don't know when I'll, you know, told my friends bye. And I walked out of the dining hall and was just like, well, God, what do you want to do? I guess I'm going back to, going back to my residence hall to like, you know, talk to you some more. Right. And he's like, no, you're going on a walk. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going on a walk. That's cool. To a land so, I will show you. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so go on this walk and, um, and yeah, we, uh, I get right outside of, um, the student union on campus and there's this guy that's having a bad day, right? He is just pulled up on his bike and he, I am, I'm walking out the doors as he is taking off his backpack and chucking it as far as he can. Oh, he is man. pissed off. And I'm like, huh, I guess I should go talk to the guy. And so I go talk to him, and we have like a six-hour conversation about Jesus, um, just about his life, about Jesus, about everything else. And um, to make a long story short, uh, you know, we we go our separate ways, and two days later, God wakes me up. Um, I'm taking a nap, and, uh, you know, I wake up, and God says, go, you're going on a walk again. <laughs> going on a walk to a different part of campus, same dude right there. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, what's going on? Um, And we have another conversation about Jesus. Two days after that, uh, same thing. After one of my classes, God's like, hey, you're going on a walk. I'm like, all right, cool. Same guy. Third, third time in a, you know, third time in a week. And at that time, time he's like, are you stalking me? For real? I, I, (laughs) I told him, I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on right now, but apparently like, Jesus is into you. I don't know. Like he keeps interrupting my day to like come and talk to you. Um, do you want to come to church or something? Like I have no idea what to do. I'm just like like a dog with a you know chasing a car. I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing right now. I'm just kind of following the leader here. Like, do you want to come to church or something? And he's like, Yeah, man, that would be great. I would love to. And so he comes to church and gives his life to Jesus and all the rest of it. I'm just like, what is going on right now? Like this is insane um yeah and so there was there's just a um really radical time with uh with jesus in in those years as well so it sounds yeah. like it. it's yeah it's been a it's been a fun ride it's been um it's been an adventure with god the entire way so yeah normally dave accused me of stepping all over of of, of asking you know hogging the time so i'm, I'm just hanging back to give you <laughs> for questions. oh really you've already hogged it I know that's why I'm hanging back, bro. <laughs> I was just listening, listening. Um, so I know you believe you want to plant the church across from where you live, and yeah. God's giving you the house. Um, 
you just talked about you're going to be doing a resident residency for the next year mm -hmm. um is there a church planting network that you're a part of or how does that work or not at the moment no um that is something that i am uh that i'm kind of looking into at this point yeah okay yeah we uh i'm not part of a church planting network i've got some um you know got some friends that i've been uh talking to a guy out in arizona who's planning a church that is going to be very similar to what i'm looking at um but yeah at this point i've not I don't, I don't have one. So yeah, it is something okay. that I'm, I'm looking into actively. Yeah. And yeah. so what it, I guess we've heard some of the things that you're passionate about and what will make, you know, at least what has got put in your heart to make this church unique or how will it be unique? That's an excellent question. Um, so this church, uh, my heart for this church, and I, and I talk about it kind of in two parts. Um, I talk about the uh, the bones or the structure of it. If you were to think about the church as a body, which I think is like a, a nice biblical metaphor to use, right? Talk mm -hmm. about the bones of it, and I talk about like the heart and the flesh of it, like what fills it out. Um, and so the heart, the heart and the flesh of what I'm going after um, is is something that I'm just calling the beauty of Jesus. And the reason I, I use those words, and the reason that I, I feel that this is something that God is is really emphasized to me um, is, you know, I hear a lot of language uh, from a lot of churches and it's good language and it's language centered around the gospel. It's centered around discipleship. Um, and this is, these are really, really core important things for the faith. Um, but what I, but what I believe is that um, Christianity itself, um, the core the heartbeat of what we believe, um, it goes beyond theology right? Like it, it can't be summarized completely in theology, right? It's a relation, like there's, there is something that, that transcends our thoughts and our speech about God. Um, and what I, and what I am saying about that uh, is, is that at the heart, at the end of the day, um, the reason that anyone is a Christian, a, a true Christian, is because somewhere along the line, um, they had an encounter, they had an experience, they they saw something where Jesus captured their heart, where they, they had a glimpse of the beauty of God, the, the glimpse of the beauty of Jesus. And they said, I, I can't help but give my life to this, to this one that I follow, right? Um, it, it, uh, it moves, you know, it, it can't just be summarized in a neat little statement. Um, what what I've experienced, what you both have, I'm sure, experienced in your life as well. Um, but somewhere along the way, uh, you encountered a God who was so compelling that you couldn't help but give your life to that. Um, and that, that, I think, is uh, the heartbeat of what it means to be a Christian, right? Um, that, is, that is the posture that we approach God from. Um, ultimately, uh, people come to God for a lot of reasons, right? Um, some people come to God, uh, maybe to go to heaven one day, mm -hmm. or maybe to make their life here better right now, right? Or, um, maybe they've come to like serve God in some yeah. way. Um, but ultimately what those things are is idolatry. I'm just going to be really plain and simple. Um, I'm going to 
be a straight shooter with that because what they do is that they elevate God or they elevate something else above God, right? If you, if you elevate the work of God above God himself, it's idolatry. Um, if, you, if you actually elevate heaven, like it, it is like it becomes a self-interested, idolatrous thing. Um, what, we, what we do, and you know, this is reflected in scripture, the greatest commandment, it is God himself that we love. Um, it, is not, it is not something else that we elevate above him. And so um, the heartbeat of that is I, wanna, I, want people to, I want people to be very clear about what we're doing, right? When we, when we gather together, when we, um, when we do our discipleship, when we preach the gospel, um, it is to an end. And that end is not anything other than God himself, right? It is, it is, to, make, uh, it is to make the people or make disciples um, of people who are devoted to God himself, right? And this is ultimately where the entire story of this, of this book, the Bible, is going, um, is that the glory of God would fill, fill the earth as the waters fill the sea, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the, the heartbeat is, is to help people see the beauty of God. Um, and I use that term beauty because I think, uh, you know, I, I don't love it. I don't love it, but it, it's the it's the best English one um, that I can find. You know, I think that the best, uh, if we're to use a churchy word, uh, the the word is probably glory. Right. Um, but I have not met a person that has had an emotional association with the word glory in my life. <laughs> I, right. It doesn't it doesn't conjure images of things that are emotionally impactful necessarily, which the gospel is one of them. Like God is one of those things. Um, I think that the Hebrew word kavod, right, mm-hmm. is uh, the, word, the word for glory there. And, um, and, it, and it involves elements of beauty. It involves elements of, of honor and worthiness and, and this, entire, this entire kind of semantic range um, that I think... Uh, it, it captures uh, what we're going for, but beauty in English, it'll have to do for now until I find a better one. Um, uh, so that, that is the heartbeat. And then um, uh, this, the structure that we're looking at, the bones, um, you know, we're, we're, I'm looking at a decentralized model of church. Um, and this, this is going to be, um, it's going to be a bit of a, of an interesting um, an interesting journey. We, we tend to, we tend to run church a certain way and I'll just, I'll, um, I don't want to, uh, maybe be too frank, but we tend well, to run so church like not, a, you're not going to offend anyone here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we tend to run church like a business. We tend to run church like a business, right? Um, it, it follows, it follows the general models that we have in our culture. Um, for the way the businesses are run, right? A lead mm-hmm. pastor would be a CEO. Um, and then there'd be a team around that lead pastor, either the elders or another form of a leadership team or a board uh, that would function as kind of the C-suite, right? Um, you, then, you then have like specialized uh, staff members. So you might have people mm-hmm. that are in accounting or um, operations or administration, that kind of stuff, right? 
Um, that's just this is just how churches are run um, in 21st century America for the for the most part. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to do away with a lot of that. Um, instead of instead of the the church uh, functioning like a business, what our my heart is that the responsibility for ministry be shared by everybody. Now, what that looks like is that the church does need certain things to run. Right? There, you, can't, you can't do things without somebody having a finger on administrative tasks. Sure. Um, but what you can do is you can get rid of one person doing administrative tasks. So what we're going to do is all of the things that are required to make a church run uh, are those individual tasks are going to be split up and divided amongst the members of the church. So what this means in practice is that you have somebody whose job maybe it is to send out emails to new people, right? Or whose job it is to coordinate, um, you know, or to, to oversee a benevolence fund or whose job it is to, you know, take your pick, get greeters on a Sunday morning or, you know, assign, mm-hmm. assign roles, all those tasks um, individually would be broken up amongst the people um, that are attending the church. They would actually self-assign or choose to take on that role. Now, if they, now if no one chooses to take on that role, then that's okay. Um, that role is not filled. Uh, and then that community uh, is making a statement. They're saying that uh, that's not an important role that they have. And then uh, if it becomes important, then people will begin to sign up for it. Um, so it is both, it'll be both decentralized as far as many different pockets of churches. So we're going to cap things at about, uh, 50 people, 50 people is when whatever, uh, small church, uh, would then end up dividing. Um, but then it'll also be decentralized within the community itself. So, um, roles, responsibilities would be, uh, would be uh, given to people as they have capacity. Um, and then those people would then um, be empowered to, to, to fill those tasks. Yeah. I'm sure that creates lots of questions. So feel free to, um, to fire at me. Um, Probably not the questions you'd expect. At no, least no, for no, me, no. My, my first question is, and it's kind of a, a backstory question. Yeah. When did you feel um, the calling the church plant? Yeah, that's a that is a great question. So I, um, I've actually always told myself that I would not plant a church, which is a funny story. Um, God has a sense of humor like that. I found there have been a number of things that mm-hmm. I've told myself in my life that I would not do, and I'm pretty sure God overheard that conversation and uh, was laughing to himself. Uh, yeah, so I I first uh, felt the desire to church plant about two years ago. Um, okay. That was when that was when I was a pastor at the well, um, and it was during um, it was something that at that time I did not think was in the cards for a number of reasons. I was just uh, I was very in the weeds with things at the well. Right. Um, it was not something that uh, that seemed reasonable to me. Um, but as time 
as time moved on and uh, people around me uh, started, I guess, really honestly uh, pushing me towards it or at least uh, saying that they believed in me, that Mm -hmm. this is something that like, if God's putting on my heart, then I need to follow through with. That's when I started to take that a little bit more seriously. It's like when my wife was like, no, this is something that I think that God has, you know, when, um, when trusted friends around me were like, "Hmm, no, this is a, uh, we, we actually see this. Uh, That's when, that's when this became um, much more of a, uh, of a reality, at least in my own mind and heart. So yeah, we are, uh, we're not very far in, but we, um, yeah, but we're just following Jesus the entire way. Yeah. When it comes to the multiplication that you are desirous of having within the church, has there been, um, in your past, someone who's inspired that or poured that into you or showed you or modeled that before? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what uh, what you mean by the multiplication that I desire to see in the church. The model, when you talk about the church across the street, mm-hmm. um, I'm is the is the building a fifty seater that at fifty people it divides, or is it? And so another building needs to be built somewhere else. Is it that kind of size? Or is it one of those things where it's more, because we've interviewed individuals who um, did church inside the house. Um, Is it decentralized to that degree where it's more cells within the body? Um, It'll, yeah. So it'll be, it'll be cells within the body. Um, It's my, my desire is that this end up becoming, you know, multiple cells that function as more or less self-contained churches, but that are connected together. Um, and so uh, the, the ultimate hope is that no one would ever have to purchase a building or no one would ever have to um, have a, you know, significant overhead. Uh, inside of homes, um, around a meal, worship and the word are, are the, are the core, the core elements that, um, yeah, that we're looking at. No, it sounds, it sounds highly relational and that's a huge need um, for people to encounter God, as you stated, through relationship. Um, I think there is a benefit to creating the expectation of community and in community you have a role because this isn't simply you're coming to be served but you're coming um to journey with and this isn't about works this is recognizing that you can worship while you work um and so it sounds it sounds beautiful your word um and i'm curious what it looks like on a sunday and i know you can't i mean you can guesstimate now but i'll come visit later so don't worry um it is um it is something that i think um is needed and at the same time will be uncomfortable for many because they're used to 
mm-hmm. um, not being challenged. I know when I planted yeah. the church in uh, Jessup, um, Living Stones, and it went, it was very similar as far as that. There was just, we, as a church plant, everyone has to work. Yeah. Um, and I know that's true for most church plants. You know, Grace, when it first started, that was part of its DNA. And I know a number of members here that missed that, where they had the expectation and everyone needed to pitch in. Um, and so in the large mega world, you don't need everyone to do everything and you end up with a more consumer-centric church um, because yeah. it just it gets done. So someone else must be doing it. And I'm fine with just showing up and being served. Um, Absolutely. The opportunity in Annapolis being surrounded by community, I, I will encourage you as much as possible to have people as they're joining and engaging, very much like you are, engaging with a large variety of people. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the issues in that area <laughs> is that um, it's easy to you know find people that look like you, sound like you, and yeah. have the same amount of money as you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, and and honestly, that is um, that is going to be that is a major element of of what we are looking at. So uh, I live in an amazing amazing place. It is uh, at least the demo. I don't have the demographics for our neighborhood, but I do have the demographics for Georgetown East Elementary. It's mm-hmm. about forty five percent Hispanic, forty five percent African American, and then white and Asian are kind of the rest. Um, so the, that other 10% and, um, and walking around the neighborhood, that's about right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's about right. Yeah. And so there's going to be a huge need, uh, for this church as we're starting to be, uh, not just multicultural, but also bilingual, um, which, uh, you know, is, is very fortunate. Um, one of my degrees in um, at Taos University was Spanish. So that, that is at least, you know, a barrier that will be easier for me to cross. Um, but I, I very much agree. There's, um, unfortunate, there's an unfortunate reality that the body of Christ, um, in this area at least is incredibly homogenous on a Sunday morning. Um, very, we'll just use the term segregated. Um, and it sounds a little bit less nice than homogenous, but I think it's accurate. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you can, you can have lots of reasons for why that is. And I think that there are many reasons. But I am uh, um, hoping that because we're meeting in homes, that because the model is one where everyone is required to lead to some degree uh, that voices that are not often heard from the front of a predominantly white church or even, you know, a historically black church uh, are be, are able to be heard. Um, Cause you just think about the theological distinctives or maybe some of the, maybe not theological distinctives, but maybe the theological emphases of different uh, of different churches uh, that are in different, that come from different uh, backgrounds, you know. Um, there is a, there's certainly um, things that the African American community has a significantly better theological understanding of uh, 
than the you know than their than their white brothers and sisters. So you mm-hmm. know, for instance, uh, the the concept of uh, systemic sin and systemic oppression has been something that uh, I, I think is is something that the that the white community doesn't have a super great grasp on. But um, and then you know, if you look to our uh, Hispanic brothers and sisters, um, I would have to imagine that the the concept of exile and that theme tracing itself throughout the Bible, uh, especially for those that are uh, that have um, emigrated from uh, El Salvador, from Guatemala in very recent years, and many of whom live in my neighborhood, uh, they have they're going to have a very different way of looking at scripture, um, and that is not a bad thing, uh, but it is a but it is because. They have they come from a different place and therefore uh, carry a different lens. And um, honestly, those things I'm of the belief personally that uh, that it actually requires uh, a diverse group to adequately not just read the Bible, but to see Jesus and what he's done. Um, and that is because I carry my own lens and biases that predispose me to see certain things a certain way. Um, but other people actually might be a little bit closer to the lens and the way of seeing things that the biblical authors were. And that, I, that difference I think needs to be honored. So, um, so yes, I completely, I, I, uh, wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Well, as you talk um, about the beauty of Christ, we already said that the, the body of Christ, the body metaphor is one that is deeply biblical and deeply instructive. And so when we talk about, you know, I look at Revelation 5, 9, and I look at the concept that you're describing here, where to to display the beauty of Christ requires all of the church. Yeah, I can't do it by myself. You guys can't do it. We can't do it, even the three of us together, because we are not the whole body. And, it, you know, it's kind of like a finger's amazing, but I'm not going to look at a finger by itself and be like, oh, that's an amazing body. That really shows the glory of the eyeball. It just, it doesn't, it can't. It's yeah. when it's all put together. And then when it's all working together to do something that only as a cohesive unit, it can do that the true beauty, the fullness of that beauty, the weightiness, the, the kavod of the glory is put on display. Yeah. And um, you know, we, we've, had, we've had multiple discussions about this over the years. And um, it is, it's something that is lacking, something that is difficult to cultivate. So um, what do you, how are you making inroads now um, as you're preparing to uh, lay this pattern? Absolutely. So um, we, we've actually had an amazing opportunity to start uh, relationships with a number of people uh, mm-hmm. in, our, in our neighborhood. Um, you know, there's, uh, it is actually hard if you're going to make relationships in this neighborhood to find people that lo- look like me, which is, a, which is actually <laughs> a blessing, right? Um, that has been, it has been amazing. There, are, we have some neighbors across the street who barely even knock anymore. Like they just walk into our house. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> the old, the older gentleman with the uh, black pickup. Yep, yep, yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, seems like really yeah, nice. Guy. Him, uh, his his wife and his um, yeah, and his kid. They just they just come on over. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Um, <laughs> that's some old Annapolis right that's there. Old Annapolis, absolutely. <laughs> and so, um, and also as I mentioned, uh, Georgetown East uh, uh-huh. is right there. So I have been uh, been volunteering at the school for okay. Yeah, start. I started back in January, actually, and you know, uh, Principal Dillard, he he's been the principal there for about fourteen years, um, and actually, he's just this year he's moving or he got a promotion and it's not going to be at the school, so that's going to be quite a transition for the community. But um, I've been I've been uh, volunteering there, reading with some of the kids. A lot of the kids are reading pretty significantly below grade level at this point. And uh, whether it be because of chronic absenteeism or because English is their second language. Um, And so I've been, I've had the the honor of of working with a lot of them. Um, They read to me and, you know, I help them with either decoding words or comprehension or what have you. And so uh, through that have been able to establish uh, relationships with a lot of the a lot of the kiddos in the um, in the area, and so now when I walk around the neighborhood, kids, uh, you know, kids will recognize me or be like, "Hey, Mr. John," and you know, get be, have a chance to talk to them. That's awesome because of that. Um, and then finally, actually coming up, uh, this actually came out in a meeting that um, Brett and I had with uh, Principal Dillard, and then now um, the the new principal, Principal Blueberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be having on August, I believe it's 28th, um, or it's 28th or 22nd. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. Um, we're going to hopefully try to have a cookout mm-hmm. and, yep. um, be able to be able to connect with the families there a little bit more to help maybe combat some of that chronic absenteeism and really start to establish some good relationships with people specifically that live in Bay Ridge gardens. Yeah. So there's a, so yeah, there's a lot in the works and, um, just being, just being involved with, uh, with the school has been, uh, such a blessing and such an opportunity to, to really get to know the community and, um, to have my, um, yeah, to just, just get oriented, uh, beyond that, um, we've, Chelsea and I have begun to build out a page for, for the community that helps to try to organize, maybe some, some resources, mm-hmm. uh, that other nonprofits are trying to, trying to provide for the community, but are doing a really poor job communicating. Right. Um, we're, we're starting to organize a page that would centralize all of that and an easy to understand, easy to access place so that people that, that do need, um, support of any kind, uh, could find a resource there that is, um, you know, that is able to help them. So, yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, so they're they're just a they're just a few small ways that we're being, you know, that we're present in the community, that we're starting to build relationships with people in the community, and um, you know that'll that'll grow as time goes on because we've, you know, only been in this house now for about a year and a half, um, but we, uh, yeah, but we've we've made some really good really good strides in getting to know people so far. So that's fantastic. Yeah. It's been very so exciting. clearly your life has been marked by at least since, since God got a hold of you, right? Mm-hmm. Your mark is your life has been marked by the reality 
that God's going to lead and your job is to follow in obedience. Absolutely. And to do so in a way that um, demonstrates your the impact that his beauty has had in your life. Yeah. Just to kind of, you know, throw some it all full back circle. at you, right? Yeah. Right. I'm a counselor by training, so this is there you go. How does it make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll charge you for that later. Yeah. So it. so here's here's my here's my question for you. Picture in your mind anyone you want to who might be listening, <clears throat> who might be listening to this podcast. What is your call, challenge, and or encouragement to them? Yeah. No, that's an amazing question. I um I think my call, if I could give a call to any Christian, mm-hmm. um, it would it would be to it would be to ask yourself this question. What is what is the one thing you want in your life? Right? Like if the the like the the only you know, if you could pick only one thing, yeah, what is the one thing you want in your life? Right. Um because, because you know, you we can have a lot of really good Christianese answers for a lot mm-hmm. of different things. We can tell you what the gospel is. We can, uh, you know, give you solid theology. We can um, do great church and works for God. But right. Um, but if God is not your treasure, like if God is not if God is not the one thing that your heart is inclined towards, if there is not, uh, if your eye is not single, I'll say it that way. Um, <laughs> Great Matthew reference right there. Then you will be in darkness. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't actually. How great is that darkness? Yeah. It doesn't actually matter. Uh, and it would, it would be a shame um, to get to the end of your life. And realize that you did all this stuff for God without ever actually being with him. Mm. No, I don't want to. I, I think it would be tragic to find out that you were the older son in the prodigal son story. That was doing things for, but what does the father say? The father says, I'm always with you. I've always been with you. And it's a clue. Our treasure, that's our treasure. Our, our treasure, um, our treasure is like the Levites, Right. All the tribes of Israel, when they went to the promised land, they, they received an inheritance of land, right? An allotment. And some were big, some were small, but the Levites received nothing. Mm-hmm. And what God told the Levites is that, look, you're not actually going to get land because I'm your inheritance. Like, I'm the thing that you inherit. Yes. And... That should be our heart. That should be like the one thing that we desire. Um, Psalm 27, 4 says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, mm-hmm. this will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Right? This, is, um, this isn't just the heart of the Christian uh, life. This is... This is a unifying thing throughout the entire Bible is that humanity's the, the one thing that humanity needs, the one thing that humanity lost is God himself. We need him. 
right? And then at the very end of the story, you you are not dying to go to heaven one day, right? The the very end of the story is a remade heaven, a remade earth together in unity. And what it says is God's home is now with his people. Yes. Right. And so this is where, this is where this entire thing is going. And this is what Jesus died for, right? For us to be unified with him, to be, to actually become one with Christ. Right. And it talks about, uh, it was God's plan to sum everything up in Christ in Mm -hmm. Ephesians, uh, to unify all things in him, things on in heaven and things on earth. Um, if this is what Jesus died for, and he's actually put the Holy Spirit inside of us, if this is what he died for, if this is where, if this is where we were, you know, in the very beginning, if this is where we're headed at the very end, and this is what Jesus died for us right now, take a hold of that, right? Like you have the Holy Spirit inside, like what people went into the whole, like, and not even people, just the high priest into the Holy of Holies only once right. a year to experience, like, you now have access to that in your kitchen, in your bedroom, while you're at work, right? And the only reason that you would not tap into that is because you have not experienced the beauty of Jesus. He's beautiful, right? He is beautiful. It, it transcends, you know, it can be described by our theology, but it, but it itself transcends it, right? That's why I say that... Uh, that the Christian life cannot just simply be a theological mental ascent. You can know a lot of stuff, but until you've encountered the beauty of Jesus, it doesn't actually matter. There's a parallel there that goes right back to, to John one in the beginning was a word, but then the word became flesh. Yeah. Theology without becoming action Absolutely. is not the fullness of grace and truth. Absolutely. And, um, that's that's a challenging word, right? It's it's it can be simply summed up with keep the main thing, the main thing. But the question always is, what is the main thing, John? Yeah. What is the main thing? And you're saying it's the beauty of the Lord drawing you into deep fellowship, yeah, face to face relationship, not not activity, not precept, yeah, but into the heart of God yeah. and living there. I mean, you. You didn't say this explicitly, but it, it's implicit in what you're saying. It's not just that we don't want to end up being the older brother. But if you go to the very end of the story, Jesus sort of tips his hand and he doesn't say this directly. But we can, we can sort of tease this out that if the older brother continues in his mindset of do not be, of transaction, not relationship, yeah. then he's going to be the person to whom it is said, Yes, you cast out demons in my name. You did miracles, but I yeah. never knew you. Did not know you. That's a terrifying thing. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it is. And you know, um, you know, years ago I was in church, and I, I I should have looked at this story, but it was a story about Saint Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. um, who who wrote Summa Theologica, or at least began to write it. Right, write it. Uh, he, um, I remember I was going to a church up at Towson and I heard this story that, uh, that, you know, he devoted his life to this work, um, yeah. that, that it was going to be the summary of all theology. Uh, and that's a, that's a, a bold thing to say. Um, 
but I, the, the story went that there was, um, it was one day that he was in prayer actually. And, um, something happened to him that day. Uh, he, he said that he had some kind of a vision or an encounter. And from that day on, he didn't touch his work ever again. He said that it is but dust compared to what I have seen. Mm. Right. Um, and he went to his grave without ever completing it. And that was by like, and he did not want to complete it. Because he said, even if I could write it all, mm-hmm. it would actually not even compare yes. to to what the to who to who I've encountered. And I say that to say, let's keep God God and other things not. Right? Like let's that's like that's like a relative thing too. Like if God is God and other things being not. That's not like next to God. Proximally, there's mm-hmm. a big gap there. Yeah, absolutely. And but it's so the the tendency of our heart towards idolatry can be so subtle mm-hmm. um, that. And I'm not saying this is where uh, Thomas Aquinas was or or anything like that. I'm not making any statements like that. But it's easy. It's easy, right, uh, to say, like, man, this work that I'm doing, because I think that's probably where the majority of of people are, or at least Christians are today, that are genuinely trying to follow God. What they fall into is, like, if I do this for God, mm-hmm. then that's what this is all about, right? But I think that what, what I, if I could say anything, is, like, no, it's not, you know, even this, even this church plant that I'm doing. It will, it will always just pale in comparison to the beauty and the glory and the wonder that I have found in Christ, that he is just worth my everything. Yes. You know, take it all away. Yes. Right. Take my family, take my house, take the ministry, take, you know, my life, what, whatever it is. And it's the same thing that it was right at the beginning of my walk. Just take it all away. It's meaningless in comparison to you. Right. It's meaningless. Like I, I, I would give it all. And I'd give it all again, you know, and again and again, right? Because you're just worth it. Like you, you are the pearl of great price. You are worth selling it all, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, that is the heart of everything. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I mean, there you go. We, uh, yeah. we have ended where we began. We have ended that's where pretty we good. Began. Where can people reach out to you? How can they find you? How can they support, get involved, um, follow, whatever? Absolutely. So we, um, I have a website that we've just got up and running. So it's going to be uh, Mm -hmm. victorhaven.org. And that's spelled kind of how you'd expect. Victor is in the name Haven, as in like a place where beautiful things happen, uh, .org. Uh, a place of rest, right? Um, that's the name of our neighborhood, and um, there you can. There we're going to be posting uh, updates and, um, you know, blogs, things along that th- those lines. And there's going to be more and more coming out on there and how we can get involved. Uh, you can probably we're going to be creating Facebook and Instagram pages as well for Victor Haven uh, Ministries. That's likely going to be the the handle. Um, 
you're listening to this uh, after July, I'm sure it'll be up and running by then, but you know, we're in process. So, uh, but victorhaven.org is, is definitely, um, it's definitely the place to go if you want to get, want to get a hold of, of us. Excellent. Well, we're going to have that, uh, we're going to have that listed. This will be in the show notes and, um, dear listener, brother Dave bailed on us. He, um, he just, (laughs) he ripped the ejection handle. I mean, totally off the seat and he's gone. (laughs) So make of that whatever you will. Um, I'm hurt. I had to cry. I had to, you know, go collect myself and not, but I'm back now. My value is, yeah, my value is, uh, nearly, nearly shattered. I'm not sure (laughs) that I can continue. (laughs) Well, brother, thank you so much for uh, coming in. I mean, you've been so generous with your time here today. Uh, really appreciate it. Really appreciate getting to know you hearing what God's doing and, um, keep it going, man. Keep it going. Thank you so much. You've got, you've got the right thing. Um, like I said before, you know, in the part of the recording that I'm going to snip out and not include, I walk through your, I walk past your house to and from work whenever I'm walking to the office. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's a really special place right there. Yeah. And, um, you know, praying, praying for a revival while waiting for the rapture is not a bad place to be living in these days. Maranatha. Lord God. John, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you, listener, for coming with us for this extended time. We'll probably be over an hour here. You're welcome. You can certainly reach us and uh, send us whatever hate mail or love mail or money or socks or whatever (laughs) to uh, anchoredandevoted at gmail.com. You can uh, leave a review on Apple or Spotify or Pandora or you know, wherever. Um, if you want to, you don't have to. I don't really care. I'm not going to look. <laughs> so do what you want to do. And we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>